Lord. Amen. Amen. Please take your seats. Let's appreciate the choir and the band. They've been so wonderful all day. Really appreciate it. Wonderful. Amen. Amen. So good to see you here um, tonight. And uh, we're just going to continue in that anointing this evening. As I minister to you how to take the resurrection power of Christ and see it flow in your own life. You know, resurrection power is not just for 2,000 years ago. Jesus is raised right now at the right hand of the Father, and he wants his power to flow in our lives and through our lives. Um, just to say, I, I, we launched my book last Sunday, No More Law, and um, we're selling it for you guys at the price of uh, 9 pounds £10. All the royalties go to our work in the Middle East and North Africa, saving Muslims. And if you want to get your copy at the end, then uh, we'll have them available. And if you want me to put a little Easter message in there for you, or for a memento, then I'll be there at the end of the service for you. But we're going to get right into the Word of God together. I'd like you to turn to Genesis chapter 22. Paul said that if Christ was not raised from the dead, then we above all people are deserving of concern. He also said that without the resurrection of Christ, our faith is futile. And listen to this. And you are still lost in your sins. The whole of Christianity rises and falls on the truth that Jesus was raised from the dead. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, then his bones are in some tomb somewhere, like all the other so-called prophets of other religions, and our faith is of no avail. The Holy Spirit has not been poured out. But if Jesus is raised from the dead, then we have an advocate before the Father who is praying for us right now, and it means that we can face whatever situation we face with power. I'm going to read you this story of Abraham because Abraham is the father of faith. And he believed in resurrection power. It was his faith become mature. So I want to read this scripture for you, this great story in Genesis 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham... And he said, Here I am. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, look, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. 
So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to harm him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Now I'd like you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17. You know, many people today, when they look at this story of Abraham, many, many of the atheists, the new atheists, criticize this story of Abraham and say, you see, this just shows you how crazy the, um, the God of the Old Testament is, that he would be so nasty as to ask a man to sacrifice his only son. And it's one of the attacks against the Christian faith that this Old Testament crazy God would do such a terrible thing. But that is a total misunderstanding of what's just happened here. This is talking about a man with mature faith. And Abraham had reached a maturity of faith at this point where he believed in God's promise so much that he wasn't even intimidated by death. Abraham believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead because God had promised Abraham before that he would have a son and his name would be Isaac and in Isaac would come his generations and seed. So he had come to the place in faith where he said, God, you can tell me whatever to do with my Isaac. Because you promised and you're good for your word that if I slay him, you'll raise him from the dead. And the evidence is right here in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 17 where it says, By faith, by faith, Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. Concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figure of sense. So you can see that Abraham believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead. You know, this is the end of a long period of training for Abraham to come to this place of faith. And I'm telling you this story because I want you to walk into a new dimension of faith in your living. Not just to talk about faith, but begin to exercise faith in a totally different level, dimension. The dimension of Abrahamic faith. Now, Abraham made many mistakes in his walk with the Lord, and so have we, haven't we? 
many mistakes. He had his Ishmaels when it didn't look like God was going to come through. And it didn't look like God had the power or the will to back up his promises. And Abraham turned to the arm of the flesh, didn't he? And tried to make what only God could do. He made a human counterfeit. Ishmael that brought him and the world nothing but trouble ever since. Twice he gave up his wife out of fear of his own life. That if he said that Sarah was his wife, that he would be killed. Didn't believe that God was able to preserve his wife, protect him and his wife. Wasn't quite at that point of believing God that even if these particular men at the time he was frightened of, even if they killed him and his wife, God would raise them up again. Hadn't quite got there. Hadn't quite realized that God's promises are more powerful than death. Hadn't quite realized it. Feared for his own life. And therefore said, oh, she's not my wife. She's my sister. Just don't kill me. But he learned and he grew. And God wants us to learn. But he also wants us to grow. He doesn't want you to remain at the level of faith that you are at. And I tell you by the Spirit tonight. Some of us have stagnated in our growth in faith. We've stagnated. We've reached a ceiling and we've hit it a couple of times and then we've stopped hitting it. God is the God of breakthrough. God is the God of provision. The mountain that Abraham was on when he put his resurrection faith into action, was the mountain called God will provide. Friends, we've got to start believing God in an all new manner of faith. God wants us to have the faith of Abraham. Last scripture I want to turn you to is in Romans 4. Romans 4 verse 12 says that Abraham is... The father of circumcision to those who are not only of circumcision, but here. He is the father, in Romans 4.12, of all those who walk in the steps of the faith which our Abraham had. God wants you to walk in the steps of Abraham. And verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so the promise might be made sure. And then in verse 17, that describes the God of Abraham. You know, we can describe God in many different ways. But if you were to ask me, who is the God of Abraham, our father in the faith? Who is he? Could you sum him up for me? Many different attributes in the Bible. But who is the God of Abraham? This is the God of Abraham in verse 17. And this is how we need, you need, to live your life from this night forth. You believe in the God who creates, praise the Lord. You believe in the God that does this, the God that does that. But it's time for us to put the full force and weight of our faith, which is a gift from God, into the God who, number one, verse 17 Gives life to the dead. You see this? In the presence of him who he believed. In the presence of who that he believed. 
Who was it that he believed? It was the one who gives life to the dead. That's the definition of the God of Abraham. Before Christ had been raised from the dead, and we're celebrating that today. Before Christ had been raised from the dead, the God that Abraham believed in was the God who gives life to the dead. He didn't just give Isaac back to him, and if Isaac had been slain, God would have raised him right back up again according to his promise. But he also gave life to Abraham's body in the first place to have Isaac. He gave life into Sarah's womb. We see here in, in, in this passage that, uh, uh, that he's in verse 19, by the time it came for Isaac, he, his body was already dead. And verse 19, and Sarah's womb was dead. It was a situation of deadness. I hate death. I hate death. It truly is the enemy. It truly is the enemy. And that's why resurrection is so important because Christ has conquered death. He's gone through the door of death. He went to Sheol. He went to Hades. And he came back up on the third day. He's gone there before us. He's conquered death. And we know that when he returns, the dead in Christ will be raised first. I like that. It's like we who are alive, we'll get to see all those that died. We'll get to see them coming up out of the earth or wherever they were laid to rest. God will raise them up and we will be gathered together with them. And as we go up to meet the Lord in the air, we'll see that our bodies are changing before our eyes. We will be becoming glorified on the way up to meet Christ and greet him as he comes to earth. Oh, that day is going to be a wonderful day. The consummation of history. And it's all about resurrection power. So number one, he believed the God who gives life to the dead. You know, we need to turn the tables on the enemy. We need to turn our lives right side up. Because there are many dead things that God wants to bring resurrection power into our lives. Some of you, in your personal lives, there are areas that are dead to God. Habits that have formed, attitudes that have formed. And in those areas, it's like dead. You're alive, but there's areas in your life that are stone cold, holding you back like a dead weight. God wants to come into your life and those things that you've not been delivered from, those things that are a dead weight around your life, weighing you down, keeping you back. It's not God's will for those to remain in your life, but God wants to bring resurrection power into those areas of your life. He doesn't want you to walk half dead like a living zombie. He wants you to be alive in every area of your life. He doesn't just want to heal you from your past. He wants to raise you up from the past. A new man, a new woman. Oh, hallelujah. There's things and obstacles in your way that are like wasteland. You're thinking, God, when am I going to see a breakthrough here? Sometimes it's like banging your head against the wall. The cell leaders that are here, I know some of my own cell leaders, and they are, they're banging against a wall to get their cell going. 
It's like, it's like they're trying to win souls, and, and it's like there's just death out there. You know, if you are not a Christian, you're dead. You are dead in your sins and trespasses. Dead. Not, that's not just an analogy. It is truth. This city is filled with the walking dead. Dead in their sins and trespasses. Locked in sin's grasp and hold. How are we going to save them? Well, the same way that God saved you because you were dead in your sins and trespasses, but Christ, by the resurrection power, raised you up in newness of life. God wants to do some resurrection in this city today. God wants to see your unsaved friends and loved ones saved. But you know what happens? The spirit of death gets into our heart. You say, what do you mean? The heart is the seat of faith. You believe in your heart, in your heart of hearts. That's where faith is. The sower sows the seed. The seed is the word of God. But it's the heart of faith that produces that seed. Now, your heart looks at some of these people that aren't yet saved. And what can happen is you try. You, you, you hope they're going to get saved. You pray that you're going to get saved. You witness. And nothing seems to happen. And what can happen is your heart says it's not going to happen. London's not going to get saved. My evangelism of three I've had for five years. No one's going to get saved. And unbelief, which is the daughter or, or, or the mother of death. Do you know that? Unbelief brings death. Faith brings life. Whenever we have an unbelieving heart, and Hebrews says, be careful, watch out, that none of you have an unbelieving heart. Well, we all need to be careful because the unbelieving heart creeps in without you even realizing. It creeps through your spiritual life, bringing a deadness I mean, what is a hard heart? Hard heart. The children of Israel did not enter the promised land because of their hardness of heart. What does that mean? It means their heart was this as if it was dead. It was in a stage of rigor mortis, spiritual rigor mortis. In fact, the children of Israel were so wicked and unbelieving. That was their sin, unbelief. They were so unbelieving that rigor mortis set in to their, their heart that they became so dead in faith that God says, it's too late. You'll never enter into my rest. You'll never enter into the promise. Hardness of heart. And that can creep in without you realizing it. You just end up, what, what does it mean? It means you end up living life not by faith but by sight. You end up looking at the, at the deadness of situations, the barrenness of, of surroundings, the lack of power and breakthrough. And you look at the desert and you say amen to it in your heart, if not in your mind, in your heart. You say amen to it. You look at that soul that's not been saved and doesn't look like it's going to be saved because the soul is dead. 
And you look at the deadness. And you say, without realizing it, in your heart you say, Amen to the deadness. Now, this happens in so many ways, in so many different places, in so many areas of our lives. I find in my own life, the struggle is not to allow this hardness in, where you look at sickness or a situation, and you just say, amen to it in your heart. You'd never say it in your mind. But quite frankly, I don't mind what your mind thinks. Because faith is in the heart. And what's in the heart will eventually come through the mind, through renewal and the spirit. So you might say amen to all the great truths of Christianity. But I'm not interested in what your mind is thinking so much as what your heart is believing. Oh God, soften our hearts. Soften our hearts. I've been taking my heart to the word in a special way over the last few weeks. I've just been in the word. I've been in the Gospels, I've been reading the Red, and I've been letting the Holy Spirit begin to minister into my innermost being. Search me and try me. And see if there be any unbelief in my heart, Lord. And let the heat of your glorious word, your spirit-coated word, let it come into my heart. And like the prophet Jeremiah, let it begin to burn like a fire. Every doubt and unbelief. Oh, God is looking for a generation that will not just talk about faith, but will live it, breathe it, speak it, act it. Oh God, the faith of Abraham. Oh yes. God has called us to go into the barrenness as oasises. God has called us to go to the mountains and pulverize them by faith. God has called us to take the city by the scruff of, our, of, of its neck and by faith make possible that which is impossible. Who then can be saved, said the disciples. And Jesus said, with man it's impossible, but all things are possible with God, and all things are possible for those who believe. God is fixing on sending resurrection power to this city and your circumstances, but he needs a believing heart to do it through. He's not going to bypass us. He's going to flow through us. And the spirit of faith is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves through us, he comes believing. He comes to bring about the promises of God in our lives. We need to shake ourselves and break ourselves and lift ourselves. We need to touch the fire of heaven. We need something to happen down on the inside. A resurrection of the faith of the New Testament. Oh. We, we can't live like the Christians have lived in Britain. We can't live. We need to demonstrate and release power. We need a tenacity. A heart that will not let go of God and will not let go of his promises until we see it come to pass. And that's the second thing about the God of Abraham. The first thing is he loves to raise from the dead. He loves to take that 
which is impossible and make it possible. He loves to turn things on his head. He loves, he loves it. When people think it's all over, that's when God steps in. And often he will leave it till it's all over for his glory's sake. You say it can't get any worse. It might do. It might do for the glory of God. The best things that have ever happened in my life have been when God has raised from the dead, done things impossible. And sometimes he allows it to slide seemingly towards the death, seemingly towards the impossible. He allowed Abraham and that situation to slide. In fact, he was the instigator of it sliding towards the sacrifice of his son. He let it slide. In fact, he commanded it. He said, go, take your son and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham said, you're joking, are you? Is this a joke? Because if it isn't, I'll call your bluff, God. God loves people to call his bluff. There's not many bold enough to call his bluff. There's not many brash enough in faith to call his bluff. Usually, if God sends the smallest test, the believer recoils in despair and fear and confusion. Despair, fear, confusion. These are the tools of the enemy to keep us back from our victory. Despair, confusion, fear, timidity. Confusion, what's going on? I thought you said in your word, what's happening here? It's all going wrong. It's sliding towards the place where it's going to be finished. And Abraham said, you're going to have to raise him up. You know what you're asking me, Lord? You, you want me to put him? It doesn't make any sense to me. How many situations do not make sense to us? Do not make sense to us. Because we are not people of sense. We are people of spirit. Now, I'm not saying that we don't have a right mind and the wisdom of God. But we are not sensory people. Sensory people moved by sensory things. We are spiritual people moved by the word, the promise, and the anointing. And God will put you in that place. He'll put, place you in that desert and he'll say, spring up a water in this for me, will you? So he brings life to the dead. But look, what's the second thing God does? Well, he raises from the dead. He does the impossible. But secondly, he Calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Calls those things that are not as though they were. Oh my God. If we could get these two truths working in our faith life. If we could take these two seeds. The sower sows the seed. Could I possibly be sowing a seed? Two seeds in your heart tonight. Number one, that God who gives life to the dead, take that seed right now. Number two, that calls those things that are not as though they were, things that are not as though they were, bringing life to dead. What manner of, of God is this and what manner, what sort of believer well, what about you? What sort of believer would you be if you simply took these seeds and caused them to flourish in your heart? And everything you do, everything you face, 
Every word you pray, every day you, you live, you live by faith in the God that raises from the dead and calls those things that are not. Those things that are not. We call, the, often what we do, we call those things that are not as though they are not. Because they are not. We're the are not people. Not John Arnott and Carol Arnott. They're faith people. But we can become the are not people. Oh, I'm not healed. I'm not healed. Oh, he's not saved. He's not saved. Oh, I don't have the finances. I'll call it, I don't have the finances. Oh, I'm still, I'm still uh, languishing in um, dominion of the devil. I'm still languishing in the... We just call it as it is. Don't call it as it is. Some people say, oh, I'm, I'm a realist, me. I'm a realist. I call it as it is. Don't call it as it is. Call it as it's going to be. Call it as it's going to be. Call it as it's going to be. Out of the heart flows the abundance of these two truths. You know, if God can raise from the dead, he can do anything. And he can heal you tonight. He can heal you. And if he doesn't heal you tonight, he can heal you tomorrow. We'll just keep on believing until you get healed. How about that? How about that? How about we just keep on believing? How about we just keep on believing in the God? You say, I'm, I'm never going to get my breakthrough in my job. How about we just say that your job's coming? How about we just call your job as though it were? Well, that doesn't make sense. Why would you call something that's not? Because of faith and the promise. And God said, and Abraham said, if he dies, you'll have to raise him from the dead. I love it. If he dies, you're going to have to raise him from the dead. I'm going to present you with your word. Jesus had the greatest respect for the people that had the boldest, tenacious faith. So, you know, the woman comes along and says, my daughter needs healing. And he goes, it's not good to give bread to the dogs. And so she went off all hurt. And found another church to go to. Because of the rudeness of the leadership. No, she knew. She knew he had the power. And she wasn't going to let go. And she wasn't going to be put off even by God. And she said, yeah. But even the, even, the, even the dogs. Even the dogs. Even the dogs eat the crumbs from the children's table. My God. Are you a dog? You're a child. And if the dogs get the crumbs, how come we're not believing for the main meal? The main meal of the covenant. And I'm not just talking about bread and wine. I'm talking about healing, deliverance, revival, salvation, visitation, habitation. Oh, oh God, save us. From pastors that spend their whole time preaching. Oh, well, you know, not everybody gets healed. And I'm preaching about all the times you don't get it. All the times, all the time. You get these preachers. They preach about, oh, not everybody gets healed. Not surprising with that type of talk. We know that. We know that we're in the now, but not yet. But we're meant to pull down now as much as we can get. You know, you're not, if you aim for the roof, you're not going to hit the clouds. If you aim for the clouds, you're not going to hit the moon. 
If you aim for the moon, you're not going to hit the stars. Why don't we aim for the best? Why don't we aim for the fullness of Christ revealed? We'll keep on pressing in, keep believing God. We're not going to get intimidated. We're not going to start altering our theology for lack of manifestation. We're going to alter the lack of manifestation with our theology. Hallelujah. We're not going to alter our thinking and our believing by the circumstances. We're going to alter the circumstances by our thinking and believing and our speaking. Oh, God wants a war on the natural realm. Oh, but we're so natural on the inside. We're so human and he knows that. But he wants something of the spirit of resurrection. On the third day, he rose again and Thomas didn't believe it until he saw him. And, and Jesus said, blessed are you because you, you see me. Blessed are those that haven't seen me and yet believe. Calls those things which do not as though they were. What does that mean? It means we need to live. We need to live in a different realm. We, we, we need to have a, paint a different picture on the tablet or, or we need to, on the canvas of our heart. We need to paint a different picture of that. Think of that situation right now for you where, there's, where it's dead. It's not working, God. It's not happening. It's not working. It's not happening. It's dead. When you think about it, your heart faints. When you think about it, you just think it can't change. It'll never change. It hasn't changed. It won't change. Think about the deadness of whatever it might be. It might be in your personal life. It might be in your family life. It might be just looking at London, Europe. And it's dead. Dead as a doornail. Dead, dead, dead. And you look at it and go, it's so dead. I can't see change here. It's just been so dead and it's been so dead but you know what? The third day is coming if you only believe. You've got to trust God sometime. Sometime you have to trust God. It might as well start tonight. I know you've trusted God, most of you, to come to him. But you've got to trust him tomorrow. You've got to trust him at work. You've got to go into the tomb of daily life in London. But you've got to go in there alive, believing with a warm, fire-filled heart. Not a hardened, cold heart. God has got plans for you. He's got plans for us. He's got plans for us. He, he wants us to be different. He wants us to be people of the resurrection. People of the resurrection. Thank God for the cross, but I'm living in the resurrection. And so are you. He wants us to change our minds. It's so easy to back off. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy to stay on the crosses of life when God wants us to believe through to the resurrection of life. It's so easy in these places that we find ourselves and the obstacles just to stay there in the tomb. Of our unbelief. Some of us, we're in a tomb. We're, we're alive, but we're in a tomb of our unbelief when it comes to that thing that must change. I think of my cell leaders, and we're going to do a big push. And we're going to believe God, and we're going to win souls, and we're going to grow cells. But at the same time, we know that we're struggling. We're in a tomb that says it's not going to happen, it hasn't happened, it's not going to happen, maybe you'll get one here if you really try hard. 
We've got to shake ourselves. We've got to see things through God's eyes. Can a nation be saved in a day? Oh, God, visit us. Make this church filled with soft hearts. God, work in our lives that we become believers. God will change. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, it says, chapter 4, or is it 5? I've written a book. I don't even know what chapter I'm in. Chapter 5 says, Rejoice, O barren, and her that has not given birth. What a statement of rejoice, O barren. Shout, rejoice, O barren. Can you imagine if, if maybe there's someone here tonight and you are, um, you believe in God for a child. And you come up and, and I say, how long have you been believing God for a child? And you say, oh, seven years. And I go, well, rejoice. Pardon? Rejoice. I want to hear you singing. I want to hear you sing some of those songs. Just go on. Rejoice. In fact, I want you to hear you shout. I want to hear you rejoice, and I want to hear you shout as if that baby has just popped out. A lot of people would be totally stumbled by that. They'd be like, what? That is so out of order. Don't you? Paul said it. God said it. Because that's the faith that he wants. Where there's barrenness, we need to believe that there'll be resurrection. There was barrenness in Sarah's womb, and it was called dead in Romans. But they believed. And in hope, against hope. In hope, against hope. In hope, against hope. This is what you're going to face. You're going to face in hope and against hope. And you're going to have to come down on the right hope. Sometimes you're in hope. Sometimes you're against hope. Have you ever been there? And it's all right to do a little bit of seesawing. It's called growing in faith. Abraham did it all the time. I'm in hope by faith. Because hope, when you have faith, you have hope. I'm in hope. Oh, I'm against hope. In hope, against hope. In hope, against hope. But there comes a point. And on this I close before we have ministry. There comes a point where it says in verse 20 of Romans 4, He did not waver. At the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. Glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he promised, he was able to perform what he promised. Fully persuaded. God wants us to move into the place of full persuasion. Full persuasion. It's going to take a people of full persuasion to turn this ship called Great Britain around. It's going to take a people of full persuasion just to get ourselves out of the struggles of life and begin walking on the water instead of drowning in the water. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? You're going to have to change. You are going to have to change in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, change. I mean, not just that was a nice sermon, made a few points on a res. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to totally, radically change. You're going to have to change the way you pray, change the way you believe, change the way you talk, change the way you look at things. 
You're going to have to change. You're going to have to stop taking your cue from the circumstances and start taking your cue from the word and the spirit that's inside you waiting to get out. You're going to have to change. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your lifestyle. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to change, says the spirit of the Lord. Change, 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 says the spirit of the Lord. You're going to have to change. Turn it around, top to bottom, right side up. You're going to have to change. What you're doing is not working. What you're doing is not succeeding. What you're doing is not receiving the miraculous that I want you to have. Some of you, says the Spirit of the Lord, you're living in the shallows when you should be in the deep. You're living with the drips when you should be under the waterfall, says the Lord. You're climbing over fences when you should be smashing through mountains. You're going to have to change. You're going to have to change, says the Lord. What you are doing now will not produce more than you are receiving now. You're going to have to change. Your prayers have to change. Your vision has to change. Your spirit has to grasp the things of the God. For they are not discerned, says the Lord. They are not discerned by the carnal mind but they are spiritual words with spirit and faith they are discerned by faith and mixed with spirit you're going to have to change you're going to have to be new you're going to have to be like a child says the Lord I call upon you to be as a little child for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these to be as a child to hold my hand the hand of my word, to be filled with my spirit, and to walk with me as a child, in simple faith that is your power. And then I shall pour out my resurrection power through you and in you. And then you shall taste of the powers to come. You shall taste the powers to come. You shall taste the powers to come. You shall taste of the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done, Lord. In this life, Father, in this life, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in every life. Let hearts be set ablaze. Let lives be changed. God, flow like a river into our lives. Break down unbelief. God, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to live in the spirit, you're going to have to walk in a new way. You're going to have to react as I would react, says the Lord. Speak as I would speak. Pray as I would speak. It's not enough, says the Lord. It's not enough. I require more of you, says the Lord. I require more of you, says the Lord. I require more of you. And that which I require is that which I've always required, faith. Simple faith. I require it of you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come up and the ministry team to come forward. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm, we're going to open up the front and we're going to pray for people. But it's not that their faith will do whatever you need. It's your faith that's going to do it. If you're in this place tonight, 
You come with a friend and you've said to yourself, well, you know, I came and I'm not even a Christian, but I believe tonight. I want to walk by faith. I want to give my life to Jesus. Then when we all stand in a moment's time, I want you to come out and speak to one of these people that will help you, pray for you, give you some literature. But tonight I want us all to stand right now together. We're going to seal this. We're going to seal this. Stand before the Lord right now. The word has come strong tonight, but mixed with faith, it can produce much. God is doing this for your benefit. He wants you to see you rise and be blessed. And that's why the passion of God is so strong in this place tonight for you. Let's do business with him right where you are. And then we're going we're gonna to crown this evening with this song uh, as, we, as we pray for God's glory to fall on our lives. And while we're doing that, if you need to talk to someone, if you're ready to give your life to the Lord, if you brought someone tonight who doesn't know the Lord, bring them here to the front. If you want someone to agree regarding a barren situation or prayer for healing, we'll pray the prayer of faith with you and we'll minister to every single person that needs ministering tonight. And don't forget next week. We have R.T. Kendall bringing the word to us at 7 o'clock. So let's, let's worship the Lord right now. Feel free to come out and have ministry at the front. Let's seal the prophetic word that came to our hearts on Resurrection Sunday. <laughs>